Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Zhao, and today we cover one of the most dominant businesses in all of technology, AWS. Most of us know AWS as the cloud storage and computing behemoth, doing over $35 billion in revenue a year and generating the lion's share of Amazon's profits. However, Amazon Web Services is much more than just cloud. It's a tailored, industry-by-industry solution that is becoming closer and closer to a one-stop shop for all things technical startups. Today, we are joined by Catherine Van Noys, who is the head of business development for, you guessed it, AWS FinTech. Catherine and I talk about the huge variety of services AWS provides for an even larger, prestigious client base. This includes Chime, Coinbase, Betterment, Propel, Nubank, Affirm, the list goes on. It's worth noting they served all 50 of Forbes FinTech 50 last year. Listen ahead to learn about how they do it, what verticals she's paying attention to, the explosion of FinTech partnerships, life at Amazon, and a lot more. Let's get started. Hi, Catherine, and welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. We're excited to have you as a guest today. Thank you so much. I've been uh, listening to this podcast for, it feels like, a few years now, so I'm very <laughs> excited to be invited on. We love to have listeners on the show. This is great to hear. So where are you quarantining at the moment, and what have you been up to these last few months? Well, initially, I was quarantining at my apartment in New York, but wasn't quite large enough for my daughter and husband and I to all be working there. So came out to my parents' place in a suburb of New York City. So didn't exactly think I'd be living at home again for six months, but here we are. So is, is New York alive or dead? I haven't been back since the pandemic started. I've been in a few times and it feels, I definitely initially felt a bit not as lively as normal, but mm. I've been back in a couple of times and it feels like everyone's wearing a mask, but people are out and doing things and feels like it's coming back. Oh, that's great to hear. <laughs> I don't know when my next trip is going to be, and I've already heard that half my favorite restaurants have closed. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a bummer. So to start off, could you just walk us through your background and take us up until you joined AWS? Sure. So I started my career at Citigroup and Debt Capital Markets, working in mortgage securitization. And then I moved to Lehman, where I was on the short-term credit trading desk focused on asset-backed commercial paper. And then after Lehman, I got my first taste of startups. I worked at Rabini Global Economics, which is a macroeconomic research and consultancy company. And I ultimately moved to London, where I ran the sales side of the business for EMEA and Asia Pacific. Uh, That company was growing super fast and definitely whet my appetites working for startups. And then I got to wear a lot of hats and take on a lot of different responsibilities. And so ultimately found my way into fintech, where I led business development and capital markets for a consumer lender and then a small business lender before I joined AWS to lead fintech business development about two and a half years ago. And how did you find AWS? So I actually was contacted. A friend of mine is a partner at a venture capital firm and recommended I speak to the team. And I didn't know a whole lot about all the different services and what this team does and how we partner with startups more broadly. And so the more I learned and the people I met got very excited about the role, but certainly wasn't something I even knew or would have been on my radar as an opportunity for me. So what is your current role at AWS and kind of what are your key roles and responsibilities? I'm part of the startup organization and the business development side, and it's all made up of mostly former founders, some investors or startup executives that the whole goal is to just help support startups from the very early stages all the way through the different phases of their growth. And so we're a global team and partner with startups around the world to 
build, launch, and grow and ultimately scale their business. What's cool is we don't just support startups with cloud infrastructure. It's certainly core to what we do, but we also partner with our startup customers to help provide resources, whether it's tackling challenging from early stage fundraising or building technical teams or developing startup culture. Like There's a lot that we do very early on. And then certainly as companies scale, there's a number of programs we have to help them grow and, and scale their business. And so my role specifically, I'm just focused on that, but just for fintech, how do we help fintech companies achieve success through all of AWS's capabilities? And so we provide technical help and training and certifications to help startups get up and running. And then you know, certainly look at compliance and security and different ways that we can support these companies just as they're growing. So how are you organized then? I guess first, you know, from account to account, you have the classic tip of the spear account manager who's connecting requests to team members. And then second, how about vertically and horizontally? Yeah, so we have account managers, which are really meant to be the main point of contact for our customers. They have solutions architects who are the more like deep technical expertise that we bring to the customers. And then we have teams of specialists. So we have, I'm focused on fintech and creating the right programs and resources across the organization. But we also have other verticals such as healthcare and life sciences and gaming and then horizontal solutions such as machine learning and artificial intelligence. There's different product teams and service teams and specialists that are brought in to support customers based on their unique needs and on what they're trying to do. So we've covered some of it already, but why do fintechs choose to build on AWS versus some of your competitors? What's interesting is if you look at the fintech Forbes 50, which lists the leading fintech startups, in 2019, all 50 of them were running workloads on AWS. And so uh, we're certainly proud of being the market leader. And I think there's a number of reasons. One of the core reasons fintechs choose to build on AWS is it's the most secure, it's compliant, and resilient cloud. And so they have access to this global infrastructure that's been built to satisfy our most security-sensitive customers. When you think about global banks, such as HSBC or Barclays, and then government organizations that also build on the cloud. And so as fintech startups, as you're aware, there's traditional, but also new risks and the regulatory environment is constantly evolving. And so they can use our AWS infrastructure and services and industry expertise to help them protect their business and customers. So I guess a couple of the reasons are artificial intelligence, machine learning are, I think, increasingly important, perhaps like really table stakes now. And AWS offers a comprehensive suite of services to allow developers of really all skill levels to create hyper-personalized experiences and recommendations and more effectively use data, which is really critical. And then, you know, I mentioned I'm part of the startup organization, but I also work very closely with our financial services industry business unit. And so I think that unique expertise of the startup and the, the financial services and pairing that together. So we're working with companies, you know, Stripe and Betterment and TransferWise within Goldman Sachs. And we can bring all of our knowledge and best practices for any stage company that's building on us. I was going to get to this later, but might as well ask now, how have you seen the kind of appetite for certain products change since COVID? How have your clients' needs changed over the last six months? So at AWS, we always work backwards from the needs of our customers. And when we talk about our roadmap, 90 to 95%, it's always driven by what our customers tell us. As you can imagine, early on, it was cost optimization. Everyone was just, okay, we don't know what's happening. Right. Let's just, like, reduce our costs as much as possible. So we did a lot of work with customers there. We came out with a webinar with kind of tactical ways to reduce your spend. Another thing was we had a lot of technical experts that we brought in to support 
customers, like fintechs and banks that needed to scale up and be ready for the CARES Act. So as you know, the there was the small business packages and funding, and they had to be able to get this capital out. And we worked with a company called Finzact. They do core banking as a service. And we helped support an accelerated onboarding of bank customers, which as you can imagine can normally be a, a long process. And that helped get over $2 billion of funding into the hands of small businesses. So that's some of the things that we're doing. I think when you look at cloud and then when something like this happens, a key benefit is that for those companies that all of a sudden found their services and having an increased demand, they could easily scale up. And for those who unfortunately had a decreased demand on their service or product, they could scale it down and in turn reduce their cost accordingly. So I think that was really important. And we definitely worked with customers on both sides of that. Propel, which is a food stamp application that helps users manage their benefits, they actually saw a huge spike in usage. And so we were able to work with them to kind of keep those costs under control while they were needing to scale up their infrastructure. So to bring this you know, further to life for our listeners, who are some of your most popular customers and what's a clear AWS use case for them? <laughs> There's a lot here. There's a um, lot. <laughs> so I think uh, I'll try and pick examples I think everyone's familiar with. So Coinbase, I'm sure we all know, it makes it very easy to buy, sell, and store cryptocurrency. And they're the first regulated Bitcoin exchange in the United States. And so they built on AWS and they're using one of our services called Amazon SageMaker. And that just helps build, train, and deploy machine learning models. And they're using that for online user identification. So as you can imagine, you're having to submit your driver's license and different pieces of information to, you know, they need to really make sure each user is who they say they are. So they're able to recognize mismatches or anomalies in sources of user identification and can quickly take action against fraud. And then they also use one of our services called Amazon Pinpoint, and that's to help scale out email and like text notifications that you might be receiving. So that's kind of one example of a company built on AWS. Another is a firm. I'm sure we're all familiar with them. They offer installment loans, point of sale to finance a purchase. And so they're able to use AWS to make instant lending decisions. And so they have to use you know, machine learning, of course, and then alternative data so that they can approve people who might not otherwise be deemed credit worthy just based on a credit score. And so as you can imagine, they have to scale a very good global, highly available infrastructure to many merchants and vendors, and they have all different types of products, and they're able to do that on AWS. And I guess maybe I'll give one more that's not a US-focused one, yep. although I guess for the listeners, that's where I've been paying most attention. So New Bank, they're based in Brazil. They offer customers no fee, low interest credit card. And so they use AWS to build, deploy, and run their credit card processing platform. And we're able to build that all into seven months and now can easily add features, which is a kind of a stark difference, I think, from what you'd see from an incumbent financial institution who wanted to build something similar. So keep going, but in the interest of time, I think you can go, you know, we have a ton of case studies on our website. So you can look at you know, AWS Financial Services, and there's a lot of other examples of such these types of companies. And then, so how many of these products are kind of out of the box that are pretty standard and can be applied to so many companies versus require a lot of customization and working with your clients, you know, to make sure that it works for their needs? AWS has a lot of products and services that we offer, and we're constantly coming out with new new products and also just enhancements to existing ones. And I think, but we do offer a lot of guidance around best practices. There's some kind of core services, our compute, our storage, our databases that customers are able to set up pretty seamlessly. We also have a lot of what we call quick starts where we have 
you need to set up a PCI compliant you know, payments. We have ways that you can do that by following like a cloud formation template. And so we have a lot of kind of best practices and reference architectures to help customers as they're looking to build. So AWS is really making it easy or at least easier to become a fintech company and fast. Seven months to build and scale credit card processing is insane. So with that said, you know, the cliche floating around fintech and fintech Twitter is every company will be a fintech company someday. Does this worry you at all, Catherine, as companies fly into financial services with tons of compliance, tech and regulations and really everything at stake for the end users? It's a tough business. Yeah. And so I'm not worried. I think what we just focus on is how can we support these companies that are integrating financial services into their offering and how do we help them make sure they're following best practices and building secure and compliant applications. So I think it's exciting that you have bond technology that's helping brands bring in banking services or Slice, which helps actually offer insurance products that can be targeted at a more niche customer base. So I think it's it's a good thing for consumers as long as you know, they are following kind of the best practices that we put out there. And that's really where we spend our time focusing on. Is there anything that people would be surprised by when realizing what fintechs really need early on in their growth? Maybe new founders that have a great product in mind, but don't realize some of the services that they're going to need to get it off the ground. I think one of the things we just stress to fintechs is to focus as early as possible on compliance. I know that's been kind of a theme, but you know, the mantra of, you know, move fast and break things. We definitely don't advise that when it comes to- Can't do that here. <laughs> no, not when setting up, you know, controls for sensitive data. And so I think right. for us, that's what we think it's important to think about that as early as possible, not the retrofit. So that's something that we sort of just talk about. I think, you know, not perhaps so surprising, but just having a good culture is so critical and keeping that top of mind when you're making those early hires, especially when you're thinking about, you know, technical hires and others. Amazon, you know, what I was impressed with, with when I joined is there's a very unique hiring process and it's built around 14 leadership principles that we have. So as I look back at other companies I've worked at, like I think any company would benefit from having this type of strong and clear hiring process. So I think that's something that is really critical for founders when you start to grow is not just like building, you know, hiring as quickly as you can, like making sure you're getting the right people in those seats is, is super critical. For some of our listeners who might not be familiar with Amazon's 14 principles, could you mention just one or two and how they've you've seen them develop in your organization? Sure. So one of the key ones, customer obsession. And it's like everything is whenever we're doing something, launching a new program, it's like, how is this benefiting the customer? What's the customer's point of view? And that really factors through in a lot of what we do. Another one that I like a lot and I kind of over-index on is earned trust. And that's making sure you're earning trust with key stakeholders and certainly customers. It's doing the right thing by people and also being a reliable in return. So those are a couple examples of the leadership principles. And then where are you seeing fintechs have success with partnering versus building themselves? Do you think this is going to be a continued trend in fintech as pretty much every service has been unbundled at this point? Or will you see kind of a rebundling with people building it in-house? I spend actually a lot of time working with fintechs connect and sell into our enterprise customers. So, you know, banks, insurance companies, asset managers, and actually help them come enterprise ready. We actually have something called a well-architected review that's going to help set them up for success with institutions that have these kind of very high standards for partners. And so something I've just noticed in that work is it's absolutely their willingness to partner and desire to find solutions that are not necessarily build everything themselves has been increasing. When you look at just even investment in the space, I think from 2018 to 2019, 
corporate venture arms or just bank investments, insurance investments into startups increased 180%. And these investments are generally a precursor to, or maybe a result from a bank wanting to use the service of a particular startup. And so, you know, I think where we focus, we actually have a number of programs because that's something we hear about from a lot of our customers is looking for go-to-market support. How can we help them there? And we have something called the AWS Partner Network, and that helps companies really just market and sell their AWS offerings. So we provide, of course, technical and make sure it's ready and sort of meeting the, the requirements that we would see at these enterprises, but also marketing and sales support. And so this might include, you know, webinars or speaking opportunities for lead generation or direct customer introductions. And some of the interest that we're hearing from the enterprise side is they're looking at digital customer experience or tools to personalize customer interactions, automate back office processes or claims automation, or like just some of the many kind of key areas we're hearing. And then we're definitely seeing, you know, a couple of examples of fintechs and what we're seeing have success is Alloy. They do uh, help manage your customer and anti-money laundering so organizations can more effectively combat fraud. And then SoCure, which does identity verification, and they're also working with a lot of enterprise customers. So we're absolutely seeing this as a trend. I think it's going to continue, especially as you know more and more enterprises are moving workloads to the cloud. And then I think the opportunities to partner, it makes it a little bit more easy to integrate. And then are there any other fintech verticals? I know you mentioned a few already that you're really following closely at the moment in your role. It's funny when I remember when I first started, I had to really think about like what are the sub verticals of fintech, and as you, I'm sure you're very aware based on the variety of guests you have, it's really across the map. So right. we work in banking and lending and capital markets and insurance and payments, reg tech, etc. And so we cover them all and we focus on all customers. But when I think about some areas that have been maybe growing or a little bit more interesting, and there's some some more momentum. I think, you know, you see banking and lending, they, they've been sort of the largest segment for a while. I think that's, they're just the most mature segment. And so you're seeing a lot of like mega rounds go in. So there's a lot of funding there. But I think payments is particularly interesting, especially as we are a global team and we're looking at cross-border transactions. There's real-time payments is a big trend and mobile wallets. So that's an area we're very focused on and seeing a lot happening. And tech, that's been, I think, a growing area over the last couple of years. And we're not seeing that slowing down and we're seeing actually more interest from our the big carriers investing in the space and looking for solutions. So I think those are a couple examples of areas that we're spending, we're probably seeing us spend a little bit more time lately. And then what advice do you have for fintech founders right now? Is the ecosystem, as you mentioned, is just overrun with competition from new and existing players. So many places for them to tackle. I know you mentioned culture before and the importance of building a great culture. Are there any other kind of key points that you want to make sure new fintech founders here? It's funny, it is. It's despite how many, I think, thousands of fintechs there are and so many successful ones. I'm, I am amazed by, you know, I speak to entrepreneurs every day that are coming, you know, solving new pain points and have these unique solutions. I think the current pandemic has certainly highlighted a lot of gaps and opportunities, particularly around the underbanked or unbanked and financial inclusion. You know, as far as advice, I think it's just really making sure you stay kind of, you ruthlessly prioritize and stay laser focused on your product and your solution. You know, I think one thing we're also hearing about, which felt like a trend for the last few years, but especially with COVID has been more of a trend is the focus on profitability. So even if you're really early, I think just having a clear path and keeping in mind, like, how are you going to get to profitability? And, you know, why, of course, managing growth is something I think to think about is a little more top of mind. Like, what does that path look like? And then, yeah, I think we talk about hiring, but having, you know, unique industry expertise. So if you're a lender, like having the right risk people that have that experience, like having 
that domain expertise, especially in financial services, is critical. I think here, more than other areas, you see a lot of former financial services professionals and not like your traditional entrepreneurs that are coming out and creating businesses because they experience these pain points in their Mm -hmm. work. And so I think making sure you have that right mix of experience is important. Absolutely. I think in closing, so we have a rapid fire question set coming up, a little surprise. So you've got about 10 questions here, no more than five to 10 seconds per answer. Are you ready? Okay. All right. First one. First job you ever had? First job. I worked at a basketball camp. <laughs> Love it. As a counselor. <laughs> first fintech app you downloaded? Was it Venmo or it must have been a Venmo or like a mobile <laughs> banking app? Yeah, Venmo with the $1 uh, referral fee. Yeah. I remember that very well. <laughs> what about the last fintech app that you downloaded? Well, I just got an, uh, I'm getting a mortgage, so I just got a new bank account. So I had downloaded a, a Citibank, applica- uh, Citibank application. That was the latest financial services one. <laughs> that I keep impressed how, how the apps have come along with, with some of the big banks. Yeah. Oh, I love Chase and Citi's app. I think they're both great. Yeah. How about thoughts on crypto as an asset class? Personally, I have dabbled. I have just <laughs> a little bit, but my views was very binary. I felt like it was either going to go really well or I was just going to lose it all. So I'm just letting right. it, letting it sit there for now. Right. Well, it has hit, I think, like thirteen thousand and a half as the time of this episode. So hopefully, it's going all right for you. Yeah. A friend of mine is the founder of BlockFi, and he oh. was waxing poetic about crypto and got me into it a couple, a few years ago. <laughs> all right. How about professional hero? Actually, when I was an intern at a company called Natixis, there was someone there, Randy Mendez. He was a mentor of mine. He was just incredibly intelligent and just took a lot of interest in helping me as a young professional. So he's always been a mentor and someone I look up to. How about personal hero? Hmm, I have a good friend of mine as Poppy Harlow, and she's a journalist and anchor at CNN. And she's just uh, kind of a force professionally, but also has two young kids and has been able to (laughs) really do such amazing thing. She interviewed Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think a couple days after giving birth. And she's just a horse. So definitely a personal, someone I look up to. She interviewed RBG a few days after she gave birth. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. Uh, How about funniest work from home moments so far? So my daughter has been into Frozen and the other day she was singing Let It Go very loudly, (laughs) which is quite cute, but uh, you could hear it on my (laughs) conference call and my video call or in the background. It was very That's amazing. I don't know what it is about that song. All my little cousins are obsessed. <laughs> I hate the Frozen creators for that one. How about favorite part about working at Amazon? I love the people. It's been everyone I meet has such a unique background, but it, they've all been fantastic. I learn a lot from my colleagues. It was one of the core reasons that I decided to come here was everyone I met uh, through the interview process. Very safe, very political <laughs> answer. <laughs> all right. How about the thing you miss most about being in the office? I miss being able to see, of course, my colleagues, but also customers in person. I think it's just not quite the same. I'm I'm having a little bit of Zoom and webinar fatigue, but it is nice to see people in person. But I do think you connect that. And of course, I do miss going to conferences. I didn't think I'd say that, but virtual Mm. conferences just have not been the same for me. And that's when I really get to meet new, exciting companies, people I wouldn't have heard about or known about. And I'm really missing that ability to sort of network and connect with people. What was the last conference that you went to? I guess it was, was it Money 2020? That was, was the last big that. one I went to. I, I've mm-hmm. been to some smaller ones. That was the last major one I had gone to. Got it. And then last question. First big like blowout post-COVID vacation. Vac- everybody's vaccinated. COVID's gone. You can go anywhere in the world. No restriction. 
Well, if I didn't, if it was just a fantasy, that would be one thing, but I do have my daughter and oh, that's I true. Seen my family on California since before this all happened. So I think the summer was the last time I saw them. So mm-hmm. I think the first trip would be, it's a good trip though, Sonoma County. So I'd go oh, out to California amazing. to see family and mm-hmm. spend some time out there. Great. And then, so just in closing, if people want to learn more or get connected with you and what AWS can offer, what's the best way to reach out? Sure. So we have a website. Uh, so if you want to just learn more, Google AWS startups and you'll find a ton of information. We have a startups blog and we feature stories of customers building on AWS. And you can, of course, register to upcoming events, virtual events. Of course, if you want to connect directly, you know, I'd love to hear from customers or fintechs or investors. Definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. Again, I'm, I'm Catherine Van Eyes. Great. And I can attest, I've been on the website. It's actually really interesting. I spent longer than I'd like to admit on it. There are like pricing tools, so many different capabilities on there, a lot of products and a lot of use cases. It's a great website. So Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was great to have you on. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton FinTech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review. And if you're looking for more FinTech content, subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Medium at Wharton FinTech. There you will find articles, videos, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. I've linked our accounts in the episode description. I would also like to thank our editor, Rafael Ostria, for his incredible work on our episodes. Signing off, I'm your host, Ryan Zauk.